0: Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse,
1: one truth, one choice. Hello and welcome to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern and with me this week to jump into Psalm 138 is my dear friend Melina Puente. And Melina, it's so wonderful to see you. I haven't actually got to have face-to-face time with you for quite a while.
0: That's right and boy have I missed you. It Mm -hmm. is so good to see you and I really appreciate you just taking time today to meet and doing the podcast. I know it has been a pretty traumatic time, and you've gone through quite a health scare. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate you being willing to share your testimony with us.
1: Mm. Thanks, Melina. I was praying, and the Lord said... I want you to go back and look at Revelation twelve eleven again, and I know that passage well. I've preached on it many times, but in Revelation chapter 12, it's talking about the defeat of the enemy at the end of the story, and how it's the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us, and the word of our testimony that ultimately defeats him, And so we know that it also defeats the attacks of the enemy in our lives today. When we share our story, it emboldens us to walk in faith. And it also emboldens others that hear our story and our testimony. So my heart today is to share what I've just been through, because I want to talk about what God's been doing. I don't want to focus on how scary or how hard it's been, but my goal and my focus in sharing this story is to really help all of us that are walking through something difficult to put our eyes back on him and to make the choice that is not an easy one, but one that I've had to make, have to continue to make, and one that we all have to make as we walk through times of trials and challenges and suffering and pain in our lives. So, It was the very end of February, February 28th. I flew from here in California out to South Carolina to help my parents move. They were moving from South Carolina to Oklahoma to be closer to my two younger sisters and seven grandchildren. That's a big draw. And so I flew out there, and the movers had pretty much packed the house up, but I was helping with last minute packing and cleaning and getting the house ready to sell. And I also was in the caravan. My parents had three vehicles that we needed to get from South Carolina to Tulsa. So I was the privileged one to, with my parents, drive one of those vehicles. So we had a three-day road trip. We left from South Carolina. We spent a night in Birmingham, Alabama. We spent a night in Little Rock, Arkansas. And then we arrived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, their new home, the first Sunday of March. I felt fine. Nothing was off. Nothing was strange. I was tired. I'd missed some sleep, but I was fine. Woke up Monday, the, the next day, our first full day there, and I felt fine until afternoon. I was sitting around talking with my sister who lives there and my parents, and I stood up to go make something to eat because it occurred to me, you know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't eaten yet, and I kind of stumbled. I was a little off balance, and I didn't think much of it. I just thought I need to eat. I went into the kitchen to make a salad. And while I was making a salad, I just started shaking violently, like uncontrollable shaking Mm. and shivers and chills. And I couldn't stand. I actually sat down on a stool in the kitchen and decided, okay, I'm not eating. Obviously, something's very wrong. Just left the food, sat down. My mom took my temperature. It was 102. Mm. And I'm just shaking violently. So I went to bed. I had no idea what was going on. And I slept for 25 hours and I was so sick that the moving semi, it was one of those massive semis full of my parents' stuff came, they unloaded the entire truck and I slept through the whole thing. Wow. My parents just put a note on the door. They said, don't go in this room. They unloaded and unpacked the whole house and I slept through the whole thing. So I woke up. Yeah, really. I woke up. This is now Wednesday morning. And I'm in excruciating pain. My leg hurts so bad. It was just, I can't even describe the pain. The best way I know how is imagine going into your kitchen and grabbing your largest, sharpest chef knife and somebody stabbing you over and over and over again in in your thigh, in the top of your leg, in your quad. And I tried to function that day. I was trying to be a big helper, but the pain was just excruciating. So I went back to bed. Slept another 15 hours, pushed my flight back. I was supposed to leave that Wednesday and I was like, I can't fly. I could barely sleep that Wednesday night because the pain was so excruciating. I was having terrible dreams, nightmares. I was so sick. Mm -hmm. I was high temperature, shivering cold. And all I could think is I need to get home. I need to get home so somehow by the grace of god i flew home from tulsa oklahoma to sacramento flight delay after flight delay and what i didn't know was i was going septic i didn't know this Mm. until much after the fact but i couldn't drink any water every time i would drink water i would get nauseous and i was just shaking cold freezing cold if i would just take a sip of water so i stopped eating i stopped drinking and i'm just fixated on getting home so I was supposed to get home Thursday night. This is the first Thursday in March. And I was supposed to get in at 6.30 p.m. But with flight delays, I got in at 2, P- 2 a.m. instead, no. which was 4 a.m. for my body because I was on central time. And so I missed a whole other night of sleep. I was shutting down when my husband, Jeff, picked me up at the airport. He was trying to talk to me and I couldn't understand what he was saying. I just kept saying over and over, I need to go to bed. I'm shutting down. I didn't even know what that meant. I just couldn't Mm. function. So he helped get me into bed, four o'clock in the morning, my body's time. And I slept then from Friday morning till Saturday morning. And when I woke up Saturday morning, Melina, my leg was twice the size Mm. that it normally is, twice the size of my right leg. And... At that point, I was highly suspicious that I was going septic. I had all the signs of sepsis. And I won't go into all the gory details, but I do mean all the signs of sepsis. And I said to my husband, we need to go to urgent care. So he hurriedly gets online. He's trying to find an appointment. Where can we find the quickest appointment? So we went up to Auburn. And I was so sick, they weren't able to help me. They were poking me, poking me, poking me, Mm. trying to draw blood, but I was septic and I was so dehydrated, they couldn't get any blood out of me. And so they needed to do a CT scan of my leg and because they couldn't get a needle in me, do an IV or, you know, test me for anything, they stuck the iodine to do the CT scan in my neck. And immediately it blistered up and it was just like painful. And it, it was, it was just awful. They're poking me, poking so me. Sorry. My arms are black and blue. They can't draw blood. Finally, after we're there all day, the clinic, the, the urgent care is closing and the doctor says, you need to go to the emergency in Roseville. You need to go to the emergency room right now. So we swung by the house, just said, pack a bag. I don't think we're coming home. And he tried to get me to eat something. I tried to eat a little bit of soup. And we went to the emergency room and they triaged me immediately for sepsis. And we still didn't know what was going on, but they were immediately able to tell that my body was shutting down. And as we talked through it with the doctors, they immediately put me on electrolytes and hydration IV. And they're trying to figure out what's going on with me, but sepsis is almost always connected to a bacterial infection. And I told them that I had noticed some very small bug bites on my left thigh, but that they never looked like anything. There was no target. There was no reason to believe it was a tick. There there was no poison. I've had many spider bites living in California, and it usually they look much worse. These were just very nondescript, very small, three little red bumps on my leg. So we still don't know for sure what happened. And this is where faith comes in. Wow! Because I somehow got a life-threatening bacterial infection that they just had to start pumping massive amounts of, of antibiotics. I was on three different kinds of antibiotics in the emergency room. They had as many IVs going into me as they could possibly get. Mm-hmm. At one point, I had three different IV with multiple things from each HIV going into my body, um, just trying to save my life. And they later told me that I was within 12 hours of losing part, if not all of my leg. And still wow. to this day, I've been out of the hospital for two weeks today, just my two week anniversary mm. being out of the hospital, but they still don't know exactly what happened. So their best guess is those little tiny bites. Insect, spider, we don't know, somehow introduced bacteria into my bloodstream. And it was so poisonous that my body was not able to fight it. And it just blew up and I went septic. So by the time I got into the emergency room, just a couple little markers for people that, you know, are in healthcare your normal white or yeah, white blood cell count is going to be hopefully under 10,000. That's high, but still within the healthy range. Ideally, you're going to be between five and 8,000. My white blood cell count was 25,000. Wow. So I was battling such a severe infection that they were concerned about kidney damage. They weren't sure how long I'd been in sepsis, so they didn't know my organs. They didn't know how long and how much damage had been done. So they admitted me to the ER and, like I said, had me on hydration, had me on the electrolytes, three different kinds of antibiotics and thankfully, praise God, my body did respond to the antibiotics. And that's a big deal because a lot of people are antibiotic resistant these days. And if I had been antibiotic resistant and not able to heal and respond to those antibiotics, I probably would have lost um, part, if not all of my leg. So I was in the hospital for six days for five nights fighting this infection and I am still having to give to the Lord the not knowing and the not understanding part. And I think a lot of people relate to that, Melina. I think we all have had times in our lives where we just don't understand what's happened, why it's happened. And our human brains are more attracted to anxiety and fear when we can't understand something. How do I keep this from happening again? If I can't control it, if I don't understand it, it seems more probable that it could happen again. So while I was in the hospital, I'm in excruciating pain. They're running test after test after test. I mean, I know everything that's going on with my body now, I can tell you that. I've had every test known to man (laughs) run on my body multiple times. And I remember the most painful test and probably the most painful thing I've ever endured in my 51 years is when they did the ultrasound on my leg. Now keep in mind, my muscle has been completely inundated with this bacterial infection. So it's infected all the way down to the deepest part of my muscle. So I can't walk, I've been wheeled into the ER in a wheelchair and they're doing an ultrasound and they're pushing this ultrasound wand as hard as they can into my leg Hmm. to figure out what's going on in there after the CT scan, after all these other tests. And I remember a moment where I knew I was passing out from the pain. I felt my eyes roll back in my head. And I just said, Jesus. Mm. And he was right there. And he held me. And, you know, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. But I had such a severe bacterial infection. I was in so much pain. They really wanted me to go on narcotics. They really wanted me to go on morphine or, you know, oxy or you know, like it. And they wanted me to go on something to help with a pain. And the Lord just kept saying, I need you to press into me with your pain. Mm. And I know that was for my own protection because I was already kind of loopy from the sepsis. And I don't, I don't think I would have done well personally if I had gone on narcotics for pain. So I, I really had to start pressing into Jesus as soon as this started. And he said, I want you to praise me and I want you to acknowledge me and what I'm doing while you're in pain. And, even if you never get to understand. And so I had two songs, worship songs that I just played over and over and over that first night in the ER. And then the whole six days that I was in the hospital and the Psalm that God gave me at that time was Psalm 138. And I just want to read it. And I just want to pull out truth from this Psalm that just really carried me through this very dark, very scary time. And as everybody knows, you don't sleep in the hospital. So my body's trying to fight this massive infection with no sleep because they just won't leave me alone for an hour to sleep because they have to (laughs) run all these tests. And I lost count, but I think I've had blood drawn since this all started over 60 times. It's just been nonstop. And I'm still now that i'm out of the hospital i'm still having blood draws constantly because my body's still trying to find it's normal after all of those um, antibiotics and the trauma that was done and some injury to my kidneys and some other things but let me read this psalm because this is what god gave me and i just know for other people out there that are walking through pain and suffering and they're walking through things that they don't understand maybe not physically but emotionally, or spiritually, or relationally, or financially. I just, I want to read this over all of us. I will give you thanks, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship, and I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name and that was the first thing about the psalm that really arrested me like Mm -hmm. i'm laying in this hospital bed i'm in excruciating pain i have involuntary tears streaming down my face from the pain and god is saying to me through the ministry of the holy spirit to focus on jesus who is standing right there by my bed in the hospital and I'm I'm replaying all the promises, you know, I've been in the mm-hmm. word, I've preached the word my whole life, I know his promises. And he's saying, Carrie, I don't fulfill my promises because you deserve it, or because you pray magic prayers, or you're doing the right things. I do what I do, and I fulfill my promises, all of my promises, Carrie, remember my promises, your ironclad guarantee that all my promises are for you are my honor they're my name i do what i promise to do because it's who i am and it's my character so that was the first thing that i just grabbed a hold of for a life and i just started claiming his promises and i started thanking him that all of his promises were backed by the honor of his name it's like this is a check i can cash this is mine this is yes and amen this promise and this promise and this promise and every promise that just would just go over and over and over in my heart and my mind and my spirit continuing in psalm 138 as soon as i pray you answer me you encourage me by giving me strength every king and all the earth will thank you lord for all of them will hear your words and how are they going to hear his words through us they're going to hear his words through our testimony, through our story. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. And then here's the other verse my spirit really grabbed a hold of and just clung to. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me the lord will work out his plans for my life for your faithful love o lord endures forever don't abandon me for you made me mm. so the truth for me as i walked through this horrific inexplicable crazy over the top dramatic er you know visit that turned into this big hospital stay that we'll never really fully understand we we don't really have any answers we did all the blood cultures nothing came back we don't know what caused it we just know somehow bacteria got into my system and caused me to go septic that's all we know but in the middle of that he asked me to remember that as i cling to his promises they're an ironclad guarantee because his promises are intrinsically linked to the honor of his name So I doubt everything when I walk through suffering. I doubt everything when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death because I'm human and I'm fearful and I'm anxious and my enemy's working overtime because he wants me to be afraid. But when I remember that the promises are linked to the honor of God's name, you know what that does? It takes my eyes off of me. It takes my eyes off of my circumstances. It takes my eyes off of the pain, off of the suffering, off of the infection, off of the sepsis, off of the the traumatic ER. I mean have you ever tried to sleep in the ER it's it's quite a thing people are screaming all night long and there's lights flashing and alarms going off and it's just you just don't sleep it's very traumatic and he was whispering to me my promises are backed by the honor of my name so what did that do It forced me to focus all of my energy, the little energy that I had, the little strength that I had was then going to, I've got to remember your promises. What are your promises to me? For 51 years, I've been meditating on your promises. What are your promises as I'm laying in this ER? And then those promises are backed because of your holiness, because of your name, because your reputation that precedes you demands that you fulfill those promises. Where am I in that equation? I can't even look at myself or see my own stuff. So that is the truth. That is the truth that I think we all need to be grabbing a hold of. That, along with this verse 7, that says, you're going to protect me from everything, from all of my troubles, from all of my enemies, with your right hand, which is this picture of intimacy, of a father pulling a child close. Mm -hmm. But that only happens, that intimacy, and a father pulling a child close if I have first acknowledged his promises and acknowledged the honor of his name, if I have first taken my eyes off of me and put them on him, that's when I receive his protection. When my eyes are on him, not when they're on me and I'm trying to do it myself and figure it out myself. So that is the truth that I continue to hold on to, Melina. That is the truth that I continue to meditate on every day because it is again like I've said before it's one of those times where I don't get to understand how or why it happened I know very little and I know that my body has to continue to heal my my blood is still trying to find a new normal I have severe anemia right now and I have some other stuff going on um that are a result of having a very serious life-threatening bacterial infection. And yes. my leg, you know, needs physical therapy. Like there, there's still a healing journey ahead. But instead of focusing on how did this happen, why did this happen, he's training me every day to say thank you for protecting me. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you for fulfilling your promises to me. Thank you for once again being a God whose promises are backed by the honor of your name and doing exactly what you promised, which was saving me from all the troubles that surround me, protecting me from my enemy and pulling me close with your right hand of power and saving me. Thank you, God, for sparing my life. Yes. That is the truth.
0: Amen. And Carrie, first, hallelujah for the way God had worked and moved through that time you were in the ER and in the hospital and... I have to say there isn't another truth to even grab onto because this is so pertinent to everybody that's probably going to hear this and so many people we know. They've got to keep their eyes on the Lord, Mm -hmm. not look at themselves, Mm -hmm. recognize that truth of his name, his honor, um, knowing that his right hand is that protection. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say yes and amen to that truth.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you
0: as for a choice, I mean, gosh, in the middle of all that, Carrie, how how are you hearing the Lord ask you to continue to walk forward uh, through this season?
1: I think it's been kind of stages, right? It was like the first denial stage. Like, I'm not that sick. I don't need to go to the ER. And then, oh, wow, I guess I'm really sick because they're telling me maybe I have a flesh-eating bacteria and you know, maybe I'm going to lose my leg. And, you (laughs) know, it was just a lot of things spoken that probably didn't need to be spoken. So there's denial. I'm good. I'm fine To Oh, wow. I'm really, really not fine. You know, I'm really scared. And then just the Lord showing me the truth that I just shared, like focus on me, focus on what I'm doing, praise me, thank me, honor my name, which is what backs up all my promises to you. Um, it's just a continuation for me, really. I, I feel like I've already alluded several times to the choice. It's a continuation of, instead of maniacally searching on Google, trying to figure out how this happened, because the doctors didn't give me any answers. <laughs> They're just saying, we think that the insect bites introduce the bacteria into your system. Okay, great. We don't know. Instead of Saying, well, this is just how my brain works. My brain needs to know. Surrendering that and focusing, choosing to focus on gratitude, on like this passage says, he responds and cares greatly for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. How can I show humility in this? I can show humility by saying, God, I don't need to figure this out. I need to humbly thank you for sparing my leg and sparing my life. And I need to make a really big deal about the fact that you're still the God who saves. And yes. here's the thing, like a lot of people listening to this podcast might say, but I'm not going through a health thing right now. Some people are, a lot of people are, but other people that have different suffering, they have different troubles that they're surrounded with. And I just feel like it's so applicable for all of us Yes. To get into Psalm 138 this week to read it because there is going to be a verse in there. It's super short. There's no excuse not to read this and meditate on it. It's eight verses, right? You can you can find 5 minutes and you can meditate on Psalm 138. And I just challenge all of us to make the choice to read this psalm and to insert our bacterial infection, right? You're you're probably not in the ER right now listening to this. Maybe you are. And if you are, let us know so we can pray for you. Yes. But you have something that represents suffering and pain, and you don't understand why it's happened. You don't understand how to fix it. You have questions. You have a brain that wants to figure it out instead of surrendering and saying, God, I choose to just thank you and praise you and acknowledge you in the middle of this because it's so much more important that I see you and I see what you're doing and I thank you for what you're doing than I understand why this suffering and pain and trauma has been allowed in my life. I think we so often, you know, subscribe to this theology. Well, we can ask God questions. Of course we can. We come to him as children. We can ask him anything we want. But, but what we're missing in that is if I'm so fixated on understanding and asking God why, I'm not receiving the peace of his presence in just thanking him and praising him for what he's done. He can handle our questions. That's not what's on the table. It's what are we choosing to believe in this moment? The choice is I choose God in the middle of my pain and suffering, not when I feel better, not when it's easier, not when it's resolved, not when I understand. Right now with tears streaming down my face in the middle of my suffering, in the middle of my pain, in the middle of the hardship that we are asking me to go through, I choose to acknowledge you, thank you, and praise you for what you're doing claiming your protection, acknowledging that you have and continue to save me, and finding things to thank you for that are good and perfect gifts in my life. That is the choice. Amen. That is the choice.
0: I'm reminded of the verse Psalm 118, 17, as you're sharing, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And it's that posture of, regardless of the circumstance, I'm going to praise you. I'm yeah. going to remember. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. Yeah, I love that.
1: And I can because I I can praise you because your promises are backed by the honor of your name. And what are your promises? I'm surrounded by trouble, but you're going to protect me. You're going to save me. You're going to raise me up above the trouble so that I can look you face to face in the eye. But I'm missing that if I want to understand more than I want to receive the comfort and the protection Mm. and the love in his presence, that's the choice that I have to make.
0: Yes. Amen. Thank you so much, Carrie. It is an honor to stand with you in prayer on this healing journey.
1: Mm, Thank you, Melina.
0: Let's pray. Lord, we just want to praise your name. We want to praise your unfailing love your faithfulness, and your promises. Lord, let us sing about your ways. Let us sing, for the glory of the Lord is great. No matter what trouble surrounds us, you will protect us from our enemy. Lord, we say thank you for reaching down and saving us. Give us the courage to keep our eyes on you and rest in the promises found in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.